What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews, exclusively here, as always, on the Cost of the 18 Studios channel. I, of course, am your host, the Renegade J.J. Williams, and today we're going to take a look at a film that spans centuries and generations, 2012's Cloud Atlas, starring Tom Hanks, Jim Sturgis, Halle Berry, Ben Wishaw, Jim Broadbent, Duna Bay, Hugh Grant, Hugo Weaving, Susan Sarandon, and Keith David. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for joining me here once again for another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews. Like I said during the introduction, today we're going to discuss Cloud Atlas. Now, our story is told via non-linear storytelling, jumping between eras until each storyline eventually resolves itself and spans hundreds of years. Writings in prior storylines are found in future storylines, and characters appear to recur in each era. However, they often change relationship to each other with slaves or abusers often changing roles, suggesting either reincarnation or some other connection between souls through the ages. Thankfully, Wikipedia, when they broke down the synopsis, they broke down everything in chronological, you know, times and eras. So we're not going to have to keep hopping around, but just know that after a brief introduction of each of our eras, the whole rest of the movie was just kind of like a chessboard and a piece would move here and then we'd go to a different story and a piece would move here and then we'd go to this story and a piece would move here and just all kinds of, like I said, nonlinear storytelling. So I'm going to cover everything chronologically for you, just like Wikipedia helped lay out for me, help make things easier. Let's get into it. In the Chatham Islands in the year 1849, an American lawyer named Adam Ewing witnesses the whipping of Atua, an enslaved Moriori man. Atua ends up stowing away on Adam's ship and persuades him to advocate for Atua to join the crew as a free man. Atua is able to save Adam's life before his doctor, Henry Goose, can poison him and steal his gold under the guise of treating him for a parasitic worm. Once they arrive in San Francisco, Adam and his wife denounce her father's complicity in slavery and leave to join the abolition movement. We then jump ahead almost 100 years to the year 1936, when English composer Robert Frobisher finds work as an amanuensis to aging composer Vivian Ayers, which also allows Frobisher to create his own masterpiece. 
the Cloud Atlas Sextet. During his time working for Ayers, he finds and reads from Adam Ewing's journal, which is amongst the books at Ayers' mansion. When Ayers discovers Frobisher's masterpiece, he demands credit for the sextet and threatens to expose Robert's bisexuality if he refuses. Frobisher shoots and wounds Ayers and then goes into hiding. He finishes his sextet and shoots himself before his lover, Rufus Sixsmith, arrives. We're now in San Francisco in the year 1973, where journalist Louisa Ray meets Rufus Sixsmith, who is now a nuclear physicist. Sixsmith tips off Louisa to a conspiracy to create a catastrophe at a nuclear reactor that is run by Lloyd Hooks who secretly promotes oil energy interests. Sixsmith is then killed by Lloyd's hitman, Bill Smoke, before he can give Louisa a report as proof. Louisa ends up discovering Robert Frobisher's letters to Rufus Sixsmith, much in the same vein that Frobisher had found the Ewing Journal. Louisa then tracks down Frobisher's obscure sextet in a record store. Scientist Isaac Sachs then passes her a copy of Sixsmith's report. Bill Smoke then kills Sachs by blowing up his plane and then attempts to kill Louisa by running her car off of a bridge, which destroys the report. With some assistance from the plant's head of security, Joe Napier, Louisa is able to evade another assassination attempt, and Smoke is killed. With a copy of the report given to Louisa by Sixsmith's niece, she is able to expose the plot and has Hooks indicted. It is now the year 2012 in London, England, where gangster Dermot Hoggins murders a critic after receiving a harsh review of his memoir, which in turn generates huge sales. Dermot's brothers threaten the publisher, the aging Timothy Cavendish, in order to receive Dermot's profits. Attempting to escape, Timothy's brother, Denholm, tells him to hide out at the Aurora House. On his way there, Timothy reads a manuscript based on the story of Louisa Ray. Believing that Aurora House is a hotel, Timothy signs papers, which ends up committing himself when he discovers it to be a nursing home where all outside contact is prohibited. Denholm then reveals that he sent Timothy there as revenge for having an affair with his wife. Timothy is able to escape with three other residents and then resumes a relationship 
with an old flame before writing a screenplay about his experience. We then jump to the year 2144 and meet Somi 451, who is a humanoid clone designed to be a fast food server and a sex worker in a dysotopian neo soul. Sunmi is exposed to ideas of rebellion by another clone, Yuna939, who has obtained a clip from a movie about Timothy Cavendish's involuntary institutionalization. After Yuna is killed, Sunmi is rescued by rebel commander Heiju Chang, who exposes Sunmi to the banned writings of Alexander Solzhenitsyn as well as the full film version of Cavendish's experience. Eventually, Heiju introduces her to the leader of the rebel movement and shows her that clones, when freed, are actually recycled into soap, which is then fed to the clones. So Mi then makes a public broadcast of her revelations before the authorities attack, killing Heiju and recapturing Sonmi. After recounting her story to an archivist, Sonmi is then executed. Our final story takes place in post-apocalyptic Hawaii in the year 2321, where the local tribes people worship Sonmi 451. Their sacred text is taken from her recorded testimony. Zachary Bailey's village is visited by Mironim, who is a member of an advanced society called the Presence. The Presence use nuclear-powered ships as well as the remnants of high technology but are dying from a plague. Miranim is searching for a forgotten communication station on Mauna Sol in order to send an SOS to off-world humans. In exchange for healing Katkin, who is Zachary's niece, Miranim is guided by Zachary to the station where Sonmi made her recording. After returning home, Zachary finds that his tribe has been slaughtered by the cannibalistic Kona tribe. Zachary kills the sleeping Kona chief and rescues Katkin before he and Miranim fight off the other tribesmen. Zachary and Katkin join Miranim and the prescience as their ship leaves the big island and our movie ends on a distant planet where Zachary is married to Miranim and he recounts their story to his grandchildren. I know that's a lot to take in. And let me just say, this is the second time I've seen Cloud Atlas. The first time I was bored to tears. I just couldn't understand what all was going on. This time, having seen it prior, I did something a little bit different. 
I had my phone opened, and I had it on the wiki page from where I got my synopsis. And I'm kind of following the different stories as it's happening on TV. And I highly recommend that anybody that watches this film that's never seen it before, please, God, do that. It'll help you keep track of what's going on so much better. I was able to follow things. I was able to stay engaged. And ultimately, I was able to enjoy the film more. You know, watching all these relationships and things pop up again over time. You know, Frobisher finding Ewing's journal. Louisa finding Sixsmith's letters and the Cloud Atlas Sextet record. Cavendish finding the the story of Louisa Ray. The, the rebellion, you know, and them finding Cavendish's movie to Zachary finding Soon Mi's um, testimony and them basing a society off of it. The way everything ties together over time is so well told of a story. But when you're just watching it the first time, everything just seems to be hopping around so much it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening. On top of that, it's a three-hour film. A three-hour film. Now, normally I would complain that that's way too long. However, when you figure that there's six segments, each segment is roughly about a half hour long. If you told the stories linearly, I don't feel like the three hours would be so bad because you're getting six 30-minute stories that tie everything together. But with the way everything jumps around, it's really hard to keep focus. It's really hard to keep the stories together. I would love for someone to go and edit this in a timeline order. I don't have the ability because I don't have this film in like a download capability where I could then put it into my program and edit everything as long as that would take to do. But I wish somebody out there could do it because I think the story would flow so much better. When it comes to my rating of Cloud Atlas, honestly, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it two and a half out of five. Prior to the second viewing, I probably would have given it only about a one star. Seeing it the second time, having my phone handy to kind of follow the storyline and see what's happening, how things are popping back up. Like I said, it kept me more engaged and more interested in the movie. If I go back and I watch it a third time, I'm sure I'll enjoy it even more. But at least it seems that the more I watch it, 
the more I enjoy it because you kind of know what's happening now. So you're prepared for all the jumps. So two and a half out of five stars for me. Curious what you guys think out there. If you've seen Cloud Atlas, let me know. If you're watching the premiere, leave your thoughts and comments over here. If you're watching on demand later in the day, leave your thoughts and comments down here. Whatever you do, though, when you get out there on social media, let's try to get those hashtags trending. Hashtag Casa Diotine Studios. Hashtag Renegades Reviews. Hashtag Renegade Returns. And, of course, the ever-popular hashtag shenanigans. Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Merchandising, merchandising, where the real money's made. Make sure you guys tune in tomorrow, right back here on the Casa D18 Studios channel, for another brand new installment of Renegades Reviews, when we take a look at the 2013 documentary, Killing Lincoln, starring Tom Hanks, Billy Campbell, Jesse Johnson, Geraldine Hughes, and Robin Lord Taylor. You're not going to want to miss out on that one tomorrow. Right back here on the Casa D18 Studios channel. Right back here on an all-new Renegades Reviews. When we take a look at the historical documentary slash reenactment film, Killing Lincoln, based on the book by Bill O'Reilly. To all my loyal fans and viewers out there, tuning in for the premiere, leaving your thoughts and comments over here. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Likewise, all my loyal fans and viewers out there tuning in a little bit later in the day, watching on demand, leaving your thoughts and comments down here. Thank you very much. I appreciate each and every one of you. I appreciate all my loyal fans and viewers out there tuning in on a regular basis, showing me that love, showing me that support, going back to the archives, digging up those old episodes in an effort to help boost up my viewership hours so I can eventually get monetized, make some money on this endeavor. Thank you very much to each and every one of you who tuned in and joined me here today, and I will see you guys next time.